What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 114. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Not much, man. I got to say, this is the most excited I've been for an episode and a set in a long time. I've entirely forgotten that alchemy even existed at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been... I, I'm with you. Like, seven or eight months, this is easily the most excited I've been about magic in general in, in the last eight months or so. Oh, yeah. Some of these spoilers, like... What are they doing? This is great. They pulled out all the stops on this one. Reprinting Phyrexian. Okay, no, hold on. We'll just, just get <laughs> do the intro stuff. <laughs> all right, yeah. Before we get into our main topic this week, we have our usual housekeeping stuff. If you're not already in the Discord, check it out. It's a growing community with a lot of awesome folks, and we've got channels open for just about everything, and especially with this new set. Right around the corner, we are chatting all things Dominaria United, so jump into that. If you're not already in there, the link to that is in our episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash pod. Huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us every week. We are beyond grateful for all of you. You're, you're the reason we're here. So um, if you're interested in continuing that, check out the, the perks over there. Include things like stickers, show notes, unedited recordings of the show, and our Draft Chaff Hero cards sent right to you, signed by us, and altered by Ben. And again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. We're going to skip, skip the crack a draft type thing this week because we've got a long, long show ahead of us. So right into the fair, Teferi Tibble. What's up, Ben? All right. So Teferi this week tried some new things. Um... Tried indoor rock climbing for the first time. Have you ever done oh, you that? never done that before? Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I never have. Uh, my school actually had a club that did that. My, when I was in college, my school had a, a club that did that. Ah, sweet. Yeah, no, I, I never done it before. Um, <laughs> the, the first, so we, my friend took me uh, and she started me on bouldering and then we did top rope. Uh, and she said, all right, just, you know, go. Like start climbing up the wall. And I was like, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> you just, you just climb it. Like that's all you do. You just put one hand up and then, I did it. I was like, wow, this is a, uh, this is hard. <laughs> so, uh, but she was able to do like 45 degree incline, like in like nuts. Oh, like, I don't she's know. good. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good. But, um, I was learning the names of all like the different rock handles and things like that. If any listeners out there are, are into this, let me know. Cause I'm curious if I should get into this or not, but I had a great time. My arms are still sore. Um, and in my new apartment complex, there's a, uh, there's a gym that's, I mean, it's, it's like in the apartment and it's, like 30 feet from our apartment. It's like, I have no excuse anymore. So I've been starting to go to that pretty regularly. And you know, what just really sucks. The people that get up super early in the morning and like work out, they're right. You know, you do feel better. <laughs> you you do feel good about it. And I thought you were like, going to say something about like jabronis and like them taking up all the machines. And no, you're just, no, no, I just, back. I hate that they're right. You know, like I, I wish, I wish a, uh, a more sedentary lifestyle was healthy and happy, but you know, the human body disagrees. So anyway, that's been fun. Um, Tibble is that I, I'm a teacher and of course, uh, it's getting to be the fall school is right around the corner. I start in a week and it's a new school and things are nerve wracking and the standards are high and the expectations are a lot, but, uh, you know, I'm going to meet it head on and, uh, hopefully still have enough time to draft a bunch of <laughs> Dom beforehand. Uh, the pre-release I think is the day before like students come in, like pre-release weekend is like the weekend right before I meet all the students. So, I don't know. Maybe things will go well. And I'll come in at a, in a rush of dominaria fueled passion. Sweet. Yeah. My Teferi this week is that I've been doing a little bit of house shopping or more accurately condo shopping, um, entertaining mm. the idea of potentially buying a condo instead of trying to rent another year. Um, mm. Went out and looked at like, uh, I don't know, seven or eight different units. Um, nice. Found a few that I was really happy with. 
got some responses back from the bank. He was able to get a loan, but ended up that the numbers, this is kind of segueing into my tibble. The numbers would have been affordable, but not comfortable. So I just decided, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to rent again. Uh, I'll probably get a roommate and stuff to keep costs down. But, yeah. um, so it was both a Tiveri and a Tibble. Got to do some condo like window shopping, I guess is more accurate, uh, terminology for it. But, um, it was interesting to kind of get around and, and do that sort of thing. I've never bought property before. So mm-hmm. uh, it was nice to talk to an agent and just kind of see the ins and outs of how that process works. I mean, technically it is window shopping because I'm sure the condos did have windows, right? They did. They did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They're just, they're just in a basement. No windows, <laughs> no anything. Yeah. Pro- probably cheaper than most of them. Yeah, that's true. All right. On to our listener question of the week. Our question this week comes from Dorigan. And the question, the, the question is, who's the most controversial magic character? Oh man. So I took a few different interpretations of this. As far as like magic lore characters themselves, um, I guess Urza and Zach and I aren't that well versed in the old lore. Um, I guess we're about to become a lot more versed with Brothers War coming up next set. But from what I know, he's kind of like a war criminal, you know, (laughs) Uh, did a bunch of things, saved the plane, if I recall, but kind of, I mean, I I remember the the board wipe, like Urza kind of just wiping everything uh, indiscriminately from this lore. It sounds like he wasn't very kind to Karn either. And Karn's a, he's a nice guy. So nice robot thing. Nice. He's got a spark. We'll call him a a guy, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. 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 He's he's got some humanity in there. Yeah. So uh, as far as characters, as in characters that are attached to the game of magic, uh, Ben S he's got some controversial tweets. (laughs) I think Reed takes the, takes the cake now. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Reed, uh, just dunking on casual commander players. <laughs> that's not what happened. Go listen to the other episode. That's not what happened. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, there've been, there've been some, a bunch of controversies in magic over the years, like, uh, all sorts of cheating scandals or worst, um, people like Owen Turtenwald, who thankfully aren't that you know prominent in the game anymore. Uh, Hopefully people that are attempting to make amends outside of, you know, existing as a person. Uh, and then occasionally you find art that gets controversy surrounding it. I remember some of the, the there was a whole big kerfuffle about those, uh, or the, the mystical archive arts, particularly the faithless looting one, which I still defend. I thought that art was sick. And it, the fact that it made a bunch of people talk about it, isn't that the goal of art? To, to get a, a whole bunch of people riled up and talking about it? Like, isn't it worse for no one to ever talk about your art if it's ineffective but um you know thankfully we've uh we've been seeing a lot less of of controversial artists like noah bradley therese nielsen um you know once you get out of this kind of a terrible person the magic community is is not kind to you and that's a good thing yeah um in terms of like actual magic lore characters I think you could also approach this question from who do the player base see as a most controversial character versus who do characters within the lore see as a controversial character. Hmm. Um, I would argue that Liliana is pretty controversial in terms of like how the other characters in the, in the lore see her. That's Um, true. She does a lot. Her and Urza, I guess both kind of fall into this category of doing a lot of the right, the wrong things for the right reasons. Hmm. And for a while, all she cared about was getting out of her contracts. So she kind of just did whatever she wanted. Um, but then I guess there's a difference between like controversial and just like antagonistic. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah. I think I would want to give the lore aspect of that a little more thought. But I, I agree with you on the other fronts. Mm-hmm. I, I think there was some controversy a while back to surrounding Chandra and Nissa, right? Because they were mm. they were like supposed to date within the lore. But then I think it was in some novel where it's, it's coming back to me. Didn't Chandra yeah, it was, say like it was implicitly 
for years it had been implicitly uh, kind of just assumed based on like context in stories and such that uh, Nissa and Chandra kind of had a thing going for each other. Mm-hmm. And then in one book in like a sentence, they explicitly Chandra like explicitly mentioned being into some, some dude and like describably not into Nissa. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Which well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Chandra's by that, that's, that's, that's true. That's true. Reliable. But yeah, who knows? Um, the good question. We love that kind of thing. So, uh, shall we talk about Dominary United? Let's get nah. into a format breakdown. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening this week. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're, we're just going to chat about each of these two color combinations uh, and maybe talk about some of the, the vectors that are going on, possibly even a bonus vector or two along the way. Uh, for each of our sections, we're going to talk about the two uncommon legends that are kind of our, our vector signposts and then two cards of each color now we should mention uh, a small caveat here this is early we're recording before the full set has released uh so you know we don't have the full context but you know we, we value getting this out to everybody early and we felt that there was enough to still go off of honestly just the vector signposts are are a huge chunk of what you need anyway and then we're gonna we're gonna see how some of these commons and uncommons fit into it as well stick around to the end to hear our predictions for top commons all right so first up before we jump into the actual vectors themselves let's talk mechanics so the first mechanic we have is one that's pretty much a staple these days uh we see it every time we come back to dominaria we've seen it in a lot of other sets as well uh that's kicker so kicker's back and essentially this mechanic says that you can pay an additional x some additional casting costs to cast the spell and when you do so you get some additional effect now the kicker with kicker this time around (laughs) is that the additional costs for kicker spells are actually in different colors i don't know if we have any that are just mono same color kicker spells in this format so far yeah i don't think so this is pretty unique this means that those cards will have to be evaluated at base within their original color but then also should you be like splashing for them? Should you be splashing for just the kicker? I mean, is it going to be worth it to maybe put one or two of a, of a different basic land type into your deck to, you know, achieve the ability to splash for that? It's almost like it's, it's wanting you to play a bunch of different basic land types. That's uh, I feel like they should keyword that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, um, they did. It's called domain it says something, something, something where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. So it might be a creature's power is that or a spell costs X less or a thing deals that much damage. Uh, this is kind of an old school mechanic. It's not necessarily as easy to do in limited. Um, you might see like domain zoo sometimes in, in modern and older formats where they have triomes and, uh, and shock lands that have more than one basic land type. But you know, most lands, in fact, even the rare dual cycle in this set doesn't have uh, two basic land types. So, I mean, to, to enable this, you're going to look for ways to either turn your lands into things that they're not or search up lands or uh, maybe you're splashing anyway to try to get all those sweet kicker costs. So look to be three-ish to five-ish colors, I think. I have a feeling the Sultai colors are going to be where it's at for this one. Next up is Enlist, and Enlist says, as this creature attacks, you may tap a non-attacking creature you control without summoning sickness. When you do, add its power to this creature's power until end of turn. So this is an interesting kind of effect. We've seen similar effects where like, you can kind of leverage out-of-combat creatures to, to, to buff up an attacking creature. Sometimes it's just, hey, if you're attacking alone, this creature gets a buff. Um, this time around, it's kind of cool. You can use your creatures that are sitting back... Um, it, to kind of bolster uh, an attacker. I am not sure how I feel about this mechanic. Uh, 
I think it's going to be interesting. I'd like to see how it's going to play out. Um, definitely an attacking mechanic, right? Uh, you can kind of throw really uh, small creatures into the red zone and make them actually formidable opponents. So if you have something like, you know, you're staring down a 4-4 and you've got a 3-3 and a 1-1, you can send your 1-1 in, sacrifice the 1-1 essentially to get four power of damage through mm-hmm. to, to potentially get through that 4-4 blocker and not risk losing your better 3-3. But you're still going to tap down that extra creature, so it's not like you you can't really think about it as staying back to block. Um, going to pair really well with evasion because you can just yeah. basically give them all big buffs um, with any any attackers you've got lying around that, that aren't going to attack. I don't think right. this is going to be like a crazy mechanic or anything, but it seems seems fine. I'm going to come out and say right now, I think this is bad. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, think we're on I, the love, same I love attacking. I love attacking. I love attacking mechanics. I fought so hard for training, and I still think training is better than people thought it was. Um, but this feels like it has the bad parts of training and the bad parts of the samurai archetype from Neo. Like, uh, Neo said, all right, what if Red White only attacked with one thing per turn? <laughs> Let's see how that goes, huh? In, in a set where there were many multicolored and, and big, powerful late-game things to do, there were loops, there were there were these awesome go-big-mode vectors. And I don't know, what, we have something similar here, right? This is a divination set. I'd like, I'm, I'm calling it right now. Um, with all this kicker stuff, and, and uh, which you know prioritizes having a lot of mana and it fixing your mana, and domain. Um, I have a feeling there's going to be big and powerful things going on in the late game. There's like a seven-seven ETB gain five. Like, <laughs> like that. That that's a stabilizer. It doesn't matter what your creature's power is if if people are dropping stuff like that ahead of schedule thanks to ramp. Um, the fact that you can't use a creature with summoning sickness for this. Um, I think I think that's going to be what holds this back. I, I'm going to go ahead and say right now that this is going to be underpowered and that they should have removed that. Uh, but maybe that would have made it overpowered. Um, I don't know. I, I've just had it with them giving me like bad attacking mechanics to play with. Give me something good for once. They're cowards by putting that summoning sickness thing on here. Yeah, I would have also been curious to see how this played out when if you could have done this like post blocks or something instead of mm. as it attacks because then yeah. you have a little bit more shenanigans that your opponent can get up to. I, you you could actually like for you have to force your the blocker to think about their blocks a little bit better. Yeah, this yeah. is like everything's out in front of you. If I didn't make the decision to do this, I didn't I didn't do it, and uh, I would kind of like the ability to do this a little bit later in combat. Mm-hmm. The, just the fact that this doesn't buff toughness either. Um, I, I just have a feeling that. This is going to be really good on creatures of evasion and just like pretty unimpactful. <laughs> yeah, unimpactful on other things. So we should mention that sagas are back. That's always fun. <laughs> and to be honest, while I was going through and getting all the mechanics, I, I I almost didn't even remember that they were part of it because they just seem so ubiquitous to the game now. The sagas are back and they have a, a, a twist this time. Uh, you can read ahead <laughs> into the saga. So uh, it basically just means you can start with any chapter. You can pick which one you enter at, and then it just proceeds as normal from there. It, it, it'll Maybe you could enter on the last chapter. It'll trigger and go away, uh, just like normal. Or you can enter on the first chapter and just go through the saga as normal. Um, pretty unique twist on sagas. They do still die, as, as usual. They don't flip like they did in Neo. Um, so we'll we'll see some sagas that might have different utility based on when you want to start them. Yeah, I think this is limiting the play, not the playability, but the design space they had for these. They can't be, too, like the third chapter can't be just bomby. Can't just mm. be exceptionally good because you either have a really, really awesome third chapter that you can skip to or the card costs a ton or both, yeah. you know, some, there's there's a balance there. Um, but I, th- I do like the mechanic. I think it's really cool top-down design where, you know, they made it work with like the whole saga-y thing. Mm-hmm. Um 
Note that if you do read ahead, you don't get the effects of the prior chapters. So yeah. if you start your, your saga on chapter two, you're going to miss out on the effects of chapter one. And, and that's, that's kind of it. Who, who skips a chapter in a book anyway? Who does that? Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> man. Um, it's it's, it's going to make evaluating the cards kind of interesting though, because when you look at like, we're used to looking at sagas and saying, well, the first chapter really doesn't do anything for you. And so this card is not actually online until like the second chapter, which means mm. there's a turn delay and whatever. And so now you don't have that and you can kind of just pick and choose, which maybe bumps up the average power level of sagas a little bit, but we'll have to see exactly how they, um, how sagas are leveraged in terms of the power of each chapter. Yeah. It kind of turns them into modal spells, you know, where you, you just get to pick up a list of three options. And then if you happen to pick the first option, you get, two more as a bonus or if you pick the second one you get the third one as well um just a few last notes here this is like a kind of prowess that's centered in blue uh you're just gonna see whenever you cast an instant or sorcery a lot and there's a bunch of keywords back but um you know a lot of good classics there's one new one stun counters so they do pretty much exactly what you think uh they say if a permanent with a stun counter would become untapped remove a stun counter from it instead so you can just I mean, put more and more stun counters on a thing. You could put like 10 stun counters on something and it's not going to untap or 10 untap steps. And I, I was thinking about this. If there's a spell that says untap target creature, I guess you would just remove a stun counter from it instead. Yeah, the way that's templated, you would just remove a stun counter instead. That's pretty I think good. There's a there's a world where they could have templated this in such a way that like the creature would untap it. It would keep the stun counter. So if it ever tapped again, it would be stunned. Mm. I guess but, you might feel bad though. Works. Yeah, you might feel bad if if you you know spent the spell, put three stun counters on something, and then they had an untapped spell, and you're like, okay, well, <laughs> and then what was it all for? Right. Yeah. All right. Let's get into these vectors. Uh, mechanics are all all behind us. Let's just jump right into uh, what we have going for us in the draft environment. So our first vector. This is a fun one. Blue white uh, instant tokens. You know, first you have nothing, then boom, instantly you have some tokens. <laughs> I guess sorcery speed applies here too. But um, let's just talk about, about what's going on with Wrath, Weatherlight, Stalwart. Uh, white, blue for a 1-3 human wizard. And we're going to note that every single one of these vector signposts we're going to talk about is an uncommon legend. There's two per archetype. So Raph says, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may tap to untap creatures you control. If you do, draw a card. And then he's got this activated ability, three white, white, Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain vigilance until end of turn. This is not a cookie cutter template. This is this is pretty unique. This is a, honestly a cool commander. <laughs> yeah, I actually was thinking the same. I think uh, at first read, these two effects sound like they go against each other. But I think what you because of the the mana cost of Raf, I think you're actually what you're going to see most often with him is comes down on turn two as a real solid blocker. A one three is like nothing to snuff at on turn two. And then for the next few turns, uh, you know, you're going to play some creatures. You might get an instant or sorcery effect in there um, over the next three or four turns. They're going to replace themselves because you'll tap your creatures and draw a card. And then when you've got a board full of tokens that we'll get to in a moment, ways to generate those. Well, then you stop tapping your creatures to draw cards and you start pump putting your mana into this plus one plus one game vigilance thing. Now, five mana to just get plus one plus one vigilance isn't the best thing in the world, but we've seen this effect be pretty, pretty decent in, in other formats, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a free effect too. Like whenever you cast an instant sorcery, like you tap out to kill one of their things, just tap Raph and your three drop, right? <laughs> like mm -hmm. seems pretty good. And he doesn't, you know, he's not the best attacker either. So he'll often be sitting around for, to be one of your untapped creatures to tap with. Uh, so I hear you're looking for a way to make tokens relating to instants and sorceries. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. 
How about a Turek Kenerud Skyna? <laughs> yeah, good job with that one. Okay. Um, two white, blue, blue, an asymmetric mana cost. Interesting. For a 3 3 flyer. So, five mana 3 3 flyer that's hard to cast. Uh, Human Knight. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a 1 1 soldier creature token. Boom. That's it. You know? Yeah. I mean, that sounds pretty solid. I, I think. Correct me, Ben, if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure if you had the two of these on the board and you cast an instant or sorcery, both their effects go on the on the stack. You can resolve the one one first and use the one one to tap to resolve Raph's ability, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of dope. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I mean, as long as Raph's it doesn't say target like to, you may tap like no, two target untapped creatures. So even if you only had him, you could like. Well, no, actually, you'd have at least Raph and Tura, so I guess it yeah, would, yeah. wouldn't I mean, matter Yeah, yeah, I mean, good regardless, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think that works, and that's sweet. So in this archetype, we're going to look for cards that, I guess, make a lot of bodies, can happen at instant speed, replace themselves. Believe it or not, there's a bunch of those. So we've got Resolute Reinforcements up first. That's one of the white for a human soldier at Uncommon. It's a 1-1 with Flash, and when it enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 soldier creature token. Okay, <laughs> there's your two creatures that you needed, right? The awesome part about this card, in my opinion, is it lets you keep up mana for the instance you want to cast on your opponent's turn yeah. while still being two bodies that work for all the other stuff your deck wants to do. I think this card is properly put at uncommon, and I think uh, it's going to be very useful in these decks. Wow, you know what's great to leave up while also leaving up resolute reinforcements? How about protect the negotiators, which is one in the blue for an instant. And it says, uh, if, oh, just reading the, reading these is so weird. So one of the blue, it's an instant, it's an uncommon. It has kicker for a white. Uh, if this spell is kicked, create a 1-1 one, one white soldier creature token. And then it says counter target spell for, unless its controller pays one for each creature you control. That, yeah. I mean, so if you already have stuff on board, I guess if you play a one drop, you could counter something on turn two with this. But I mean, more likely you're using this on like turn four after playing a two drop or you pass with four mana up, you flash in resolute reinforcements and then play protect the negotiators or you play one drop and kick protect. I don't know. There's this is, to, this yeah. is sweet. Yeah, there's a lot of room to like mess around and, and try to finagle the optimal play pattern for whatever game it is you happen to be trying to cast this card. I think there's a lot of room to play with this. Next up, we have Stall for Time. That's two and a white instant. It's a common, and it's kicker for one of the blue. Tap up the two target creatures. If the spell is kicked, put a stun counter on each of those creatures. And then the big one, draw a card. I love effects like this. They always are underrated. Like these kind of frost breath type effects that uh, just take something out of, out of commission for a quick turn. That's all you need to get in for damage, just chipping in. And then the fact that you can get some stun counters out of this. So five mana to lock some things down for, for a few turns. That's, that's pretty good. And it replaces itself too. So um, you're making tokens or you're tapping your existing creatures to draw cards with Wrath. Just really cool. Yeah, I'm going to lose to this card. I know I'm going <laughs> to lose to this card. I'm oh, going to yeah. attack thinking like, oh, I'm good on the crackback. They're going to tap all my other creatures down and <laughs> just swing for lethal. And this is an instant too. So Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, and kind of I'm noticing like a, a pair card to this. Stall for Time pairs with Talarian Geyser, two and a blue. It's a sorcery at common. It's kicker for a white. It says return target creature to its owner's hand. Draw a card. Nice. If this spell was kicked, you gain three life. So four mana, bounce something back to its owner's hand, draw a card, gain three. That's like an end of the royal. Admittedly, the fact that it's a sorcery, that sucks. But I don't know. You're drawing a card and gaining three life. That's really good. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I think it's going to be pretty solid. These kicker cards are interesting. I think you have some like protect the negotiators where it certainly has a low floor. If you just don't have any creatures out and you don't have white mana or like you don't have three mana or whatever, you like, you're not going to be able to cast this for any effect, mm-hmm. but there's so much utility in them. I, I really love the flexibility they have. Yeah. Like Tolarian geyser, you could just put this in a blue black deck, right? And, and you're just happy with it or a blue oh, green yeah. deck. And then maybe if you're playing blue green, Okay, we'll get to that later. But I have a feeling blue-green is going to be doing a, a good amount of splashing. What's uh, what's up next? So next up, we've got blue-black instantly drained. So we didn't get too clever with the, with the names <laughs> this time around. But our first uh, signpost on comment here is Vohar Vidalian Desecrator. It's blue-black for a 1-2 Phyrexian Merfolk Wizard. I think it's terrifying. Again, all of these are legends and at uncommon. Its first ability is tap, draw a card, then discard a card. So we've got a, a little bit of a loot effect. If you discard in an instant or sorcery this way, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Okay, pretty cool. I, I like this overlapping blue theme. This will slot in nicely in a... I mean, it's a two drop, so maybe splashing it's not the best idea, but it slots in nicely in, in a multicolored deck. And uh, then it has a second ability. Two generic mana, sack Vohar Vidalian Desecrator. You may cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard this turn. If that spell would be put in your graveyard, exile it instead. Activate only as a sorcery. So a nice little one-two punch here. Discarding all your instants and sorceries whenever you kind of feel the need to drain your opponent and uh, get some looting. And then uh, later on, you know, you can recast one of those instant sorceries. I love these effects because it's it's really nice on two to be able to, you know, play this on two, turn three, tap it, loot away an expensive instant you've got in your hand that you'd love to play, but it's just too expensive for where you've got it in your hand. And then later on, you get it back. Yeah, this is also just a two mana free looter. Like You don't see that very often that they usually yeah. make you pay like one or two mana for, for two mana looting effects these days. Uh, and this is a two mana free looter with upside when you happen to pitch those instant sorceries. Reminds me of Obsessed Stitcher, one back from yeah. M21. That, that I mean, it, it was the full package. It looted and then it also reanimated. This is a pretty good impression of that. Um, obviously, it pairs better with instant and sorceries, but I'm going to say that they just copied the draft track cube on this one. You know? <laughs> Next up, we've got Rona, Sheldred's Faithful. It's one blue, black, black. So another of these asymmetrical costs. We'll actually see these in every single vector. It's a human wizard. It's a 3-4. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, each opponent loses one life. You may cast Rona, Sheldred's Faithful from your graveyard by discarding two cards in addition to paying other, its other costs. Hmm. Notably, that's a, that's a flashback effect that like doesn't ever exile her. So you could just infinitely recast her from the graveyard if you have the cards to discard. And uh, also works really well paired with Vohar. <laughs> it's interesting yeah. to see this like when you cast or when you discard instant or sorceries drain because yeah yeah uh i'm i could see uh i i would like to see more of like more cards that have the drain effect attached to it relating to instant sorceries because i could see a world where you know you maybe you end up on a table where you can pick up a couple of ronas and then any other effects that do draining off of instants and sorceries and kind of just put a bunch of cantrips in your deck and yeah go wild mm, that's exactly what i was thinking with Talarian geyser Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would slot in nicely. Gets you more gas to maybe. All right. And I hate to say it, but Rona is going to cause some people to sandbag lands, you know, which as a rule, you tend not to want to do. But I mean, if you have if you have a Rona in your deck and you have like self mill effects uh, or, or even anything, then if you're playing blue black, you might not want to play that eighth land because you're thinking, OK, I might top deck my Rona. They might have the kill spell. I can just get it back. Yeah. Plus a three, four body is nothing to snuff at. Yeah, no, that, that's that's actually just a pretty sizable body. A 4 mana 3-4 is, is just fine. So next up here, we've got Founding the Third Path. This is one to blue for a Saga at Uncommon. 
you may cast an instant, or, and, and all the sagas have read ahead. So not going to mention that again, but yeah, it's got read ahead. Uh, first chapter, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell with mana value one or two from your hand without paying its mana cost. Pretty solid. Hmm. Just free cast uh, one or two drop. So it kind of pays for itself right away. And then chapter two, target player mills four cards. Not very interesting for limited. And chapter three, exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Copy it. You may cast the copy. So hmm. this is interesting because these effects frequently will say you can cast the copy for free. This one doesn't say that. Oh, do it does, it does it. You still have to cast the copy. Ew. Uh, but you get to do that. So, yeah, I mean, kinda, it, it puts stuff in your graveyard. I mean, you're always targeting yourself with this. Um, I guess maybe if it's like a really late game format, you can hit your opponent, but it puts stuff in the graveyard for Vohar and, and you could self Melorona. Yeah, yeah, true. Next up, we've got Talarian Terror. This is six and a blue for a serpent at common. It's a five, five. This spell costs one less to cast for each incident sorcery card in your graveyard and it has ward two. We've seen cards similar to this before. And they tend to be decent and in, in a deck and a set that cares so much about instants and sorceries, it's probably going to be pretty solid. I mean, look at Founding the Third Path, right? You, you cast something like a little cantrip or something on turn two. That's in your graveyard. You self-mill, you mill over, I don't know, two more instants and sorceries. I guess the third one makes you get, well, no, you exile it. Hold on. So you exile it and then copy it and then, oh no, so it's exiled. All right. So you go down, you got like two or three instants and sorceries in your graveyard. Uh, so then we're looking at like a four or five mana Talarian Terror. Like that could be pretty good. Like a, a, if you can get it to be a five mana, five, five word two, that's like, that's good. <laughs> and yeah. you only need two and instants and sorceries for that. Uh, and yeah, yeah and if you get a four mana one, you know, you're talking about a bomb. Uh, this is actually part of the cycle. Um, we're going to see a, a few more of these ones, but uh, each color has that um, kind of big 5-5-ish five, five beater that, that costs less based on some aspect. Next up here, we've got Tribute to Urborg. This is one and a black for an instant at common. It's got Kicker for one and a blue. The target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. If this spell was kicked, that creature gets an additional minus one, minus one until end of turn for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. That scales up pretty well with the game. I mean, for two mana, you can kill just about anything in the early game and then an additional two mana and you can kill just about anything in the late game if you've got enough instants and sorceries going. So uh, this is probably going to be a really solid kind of staple removal card for this this uh, vector. Mm-hmm. And probably worth splashing if you're going into something like Sultai. And lastly here for this vector, we've got Blight Pile. This is one in a blue for a 3-3, three, three, or one in a black for a 3-3, three, three, I'm sorry. It's a Phyrexian at Uncommon. So yes, yeah, a two mana 3-3, three, three, but it's got Defender. And it also has an activated ability of two and a black and tap it. Each opponent loses X life where X is the number of creatures with defender you control. Okay, so okay. this is where we have to be a little honest with, with the listener. Um, the full spoiler isn't out yet. We've seen the defender cards. There's this like defender sub vector. We've seen a blue one at uncommon, a black one at uncommon, and then some colorless support. So we don't actually know if it's like a five color thing yet, but I, I think it's going to make more, most sense in around blue, black, and green. Um Particularly with with Blight Pile, this is a strong effect. I mean, this is going to tap to drain for one. If you can get this to tap to drain for two, that's that's strong. You know, that, that's a good late game win con. And this this vector wants to go into the late game anyway uh, to like land your Talarian Terrors to just grind them out with a Vona, drain them out with a Vohar. I mean, you're trying to drain them out. You're not going to do that on turn five like an attacking deck would. This one wants to be sturdy and solid. Also, it's a two mana three three. You know, <laughs> like that's going to get in the way of anything. Yeah, I like this type of card and this type of effect where it's just going to sit there. And we've seen this be really good in a lot of formats. It's just going to sit there. And nobody's going to want to deal with it because, come on, it's just a, like it's a vanilla three three that can't attack. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, you're going to start dumping mana into this thing, and it's going to kill them faster than they can deal with it. So, mm-hmm. inevitably, I like it. 
I'm also a big fan of the Defenders stuff, so I'm totally going to be building a Defender deck in this format at some point. Of course. All right, so we got Black Red up next. Um, yeah, it's good old Sack Attack, you know? Black Red, Sack, it's doing its usual thing. First up, we've got Legomos Hand of Hatred. Wait, is 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 Legomos the, the guy or is the Hand Legomos? Is that, or is that Legomos and also the Hand of Hatred? <laughs> <laughs> well, the creature type is human, so I'm going to assume that the guy in the art is Legomos. And then what's the hand? <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, he's the hand of hatred, but that's like his signature spell or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I got to find out whose hand this is. Anyway, it's a one, three human shaman uh, cost one black red at the beginning of combat on your turn, create a two, one red elemental creature token with trample and haste sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Cool. Very, very good effect. Um, but it gets better. You can tap. Search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Activate only if five or more creatures died this turn. That's kind of a dream scenario. I mean, wasn't there like a three and a blue uncommon um, something all seeing? No, that was Orvar. It, it was a it was like a, a four mana three three that if uh, like four creatures or three creatures had died this turn, um, you'd like draw three cards, and like that rarely happened. But yeah, we also had the the I think it was Grim Wanderer where like you couldn't cast it if you if you didn't meet that course, threshold of creatures dying. Yeah. Um, and that and was like a lower number, and they were harder to do. Yeah, like they were yeah. hard. It wasn't easy to get to hit those thresholds. And like this has to not have summoning sickness for this to work. So like your opponent is going to see that effect. Basically, this is only going to happen if like five of your things died. Um, you do sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So I guess if that was the last thing, um, yeah, it's not at sorcery speed. If that was, if you had like four creatures die and then that was the fifth one, you could do it on your end step after uh, that thing dies. But then now, you've lost four creatures. Like you better be getting something really good to, to make up for the fact that four of your things died. Yeah, this is going to have to be like, we're going to need to see other token generators. And I mean, to be frank, though, it is a demonic tutor. So yeah, it should be hard good. to get. <laughs> Who needs that, though? Like the, the, the first clause is all you need. I think it's just pretty solid with just that. Right. I mean, you're getting yeah. a two one trample haste every turn. That's solid in the, in the early game. And it gives you sack fodder in the mid to late game. Um and then it does sacrifice itself in the end. So this is a, a source of sacrifice, which uh, actually pairs pretty well with our next card here. Who I have to pull up the translation for because it's not out yet. So it's going to be a uh, Garna. And um, I don't know. I don't know what the rest of the name is because I don't know how to I don't know how to translate that. Whenever another creature you control dies, draw a card if it was attacking. Cool. So, I mean, you can just send your stuff and know that it's going to, at the very least, trade itself for a card. And that's another creature control that's not like one or more so that's each one would would, would trigger otherwise garna deals one damage to each opponent and it's a four three so like if, if a creature just dies at any time this is this is kind of like a it's kind of like a a, a blood artist right i mean it's just going to deal one damage whenever one of your things dies uh and then if your thing was attacking you draw a card from it that's good <laughs> you know yeah, that's pretty sweet i mean for an aggro deck that is something aggro decks would love to see is well, I can throw myself in the red zone and it's going to replace itself if somehow combat doesn't go my way. Think about how that uh, works with the tokens that, that Legomos makes. I mean, if they block oh, yeah. the token and it dies with like a 3-3, three, three, uh, you draw a card. If they don't block it, they take two and then they get pinged when you sack on your end step. So, yeah, that kind of actually has uh, the, the what are, what were they? The, the zombie tokens from Mid Midnight Hunt? Oh, the decayed ones, yeah. Decayed tokens, yeah. Yeah, it kind of has vibes like that. Like you don't ever actually want to block those. Mm -hmm. Really? But, but then you're taking damage. Right. 
Yeah, no, that's a, a really good curve out there going from Legomos into Garna. That that's uh yeah, it's scary. So uh how about some more ways to sack stuff? We've got hurler cyclops, three red red for a five four cyclops at uncommon. It's simple. You pay one, you sack a creature, it deals one damage to any target. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, cool. it's um that's gonna let you sack. It's gonna let you sacrifice the two one elementals and um I guess put it put that damage towards other things. I guess that also gives you timing control. So you could sack it at the end step of, or at you could sack it at the end of combat after it's dealt damage. So like you could let the token get in, hit your opponent. And then before combat ends, sack it to ping down an X, one of theirs. And then you draw the card off of Garna and you get the ping from the hurler Cyclops. Like that's disgusting. Yeah. That's a lot of, a lot of combos right there. Yeah. And uh, this is going to look for other stuff to sack, right? Not just the tokens. One thing you can sacrifice is for Phoenix Chick. This is, I mean, we're both going to have this as our like card you most want as a pet, right? Easily. Uh, Just look at this thing. This is the cutest card. So it's one red for a one, one flying haste, which is honestly, that's sick. (laughs) Yeah, that's just good. That's just good. It can't block, but you're never blocking with this thing anyway. Uh, And then whenever you attack with three or more creatures, you may pay red rib. If you do, return it from your graveyard to the battlefield, tapped and attacking with a 1-1 counter on it. Nice. So it can come back as a 2-2 flyer. And then if it dies again, it's still going to come back as a 2-2 flyer. So it's never bigger than a 2-2 flying. But this is just going to keep coming back. But also the cost doesn't scale. So yeah, yeah. it's only ever going to be two mana to bring it back. And it comes back as a 2-2 flying haste. Like, love it. Yeah, it's great. And obviously, you know, if you have a bigger board anyway, you can sacrifice this, loop it. Um, nice sacrifice fodder. Plus, at some point... Your 1-1 flyer just isn't doing it anymore. 1-1 flyer can't block. You're either going to jam it into their flying blocker or you leave it around to sack to something like the uh, the Cyclops. Next up, uh, you know, maybe breaking tradition here a little bit. Phyrexian Warhorse. Uh, this is not actually a black-reddish card. This this card actually implies it's closer to black-white, but this is three and a black for a 3-3 Phyrexian Horse at common. It is, again, horrifying. Uh, it is kicker for a white. You heard me right. Kicker for one white. So when it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token. It has one, sacrifice another creature. Phyrexian Warhorse gets plus two, plus one until end of turn. So it attacks as a 5-4. So this is the kind of card that I see just going into a black-red deck. You know, like forgetting the kicker thing entirely. Sure, it's not the best card. I'm sure there's going to be better four drops for this deck. But that's a thing you can just play in a sacrifice deck, right? Like just a thing with a sacrifice ability that, that buffs it. Yeah, I also expect this means there's a Mardu sack deck somewhere. And yeah. it's interesting to note this type of effect we're used to seeing on cards uh, that lately only let you activate it once a turn. This mm. is not that. You can do this as many times as you want. There is a cost associated with it this time around. You do have to pay one to, to do the effect. But you can pump the Frex and Warhorse as much as you have mana and creatures to do so. I remember how disgusting Dowd Omnivore was last time we were on Dominaria. That... that I mean, it just becomes a must kill in the late game. Yeah. One more here. Sengir Connoisseur. Uh, three black black for a 3-3 three, three flying at Uncommon. It's a vampire. And it says whenever one or more creatures die, put a 1-1 one, one counter on Sengir Connoisseur. This ability triggers only once each turn. So this thing is going to grow and scale with the game really well, especially if you have something like Legomos, which is giving you a thing that's going to die every turn. Uh, I see Legomos as, as the really key vector uh, archetype staple here because i mean just getting that thing that you have it's going to die every turn it's free you don't have to do anything to get that token you're either attacking them with it or flinging it at something or letting it die to trigger your connoisseur or sack it to your warhorse or your cyclops cool little deck uh it's nothing you know too fancy just a good twist on black red and i think we're going to see more of that 
going through. I mean, the blue white vector was a little bit different than we're used to seeing, but I actually think one of my favorite things so far that I've seen with this set is they've taken very common archetypes that we're used to seeing and given them just, just a slight twist and made mm-hmm. the cards really fun. Like all the cards have very the easy things going great. on, yeah. but the, the vectors overall are pretty familiar, which I think is a great way to approach a set like this. Mm-hmm. Also, just want to point out the, uh, the flavor text on Sengir Connoisseur. We cannot afford to let the Phyrexians win. They taste terrible. <laughs> it's like, okay, you've got your priorities set. Uh, that's pretty good. All right, on to red-green, which we're calling Angry Domain. Um, so you, one thing you'll see throughout the rest of this format breakdown is that green is the domain color. Every green deck is a domain-based deck in some way, shape, or form. And so we're kind of separating that out by giving a little bit of a suffix to these, or pre, pre, uh, prefix. So Angry Domain starts off with Rada, Coalition Warlord. This is two red-green for an Elf Warrior, 3-3, three, three, and it has Domain. And Domain, the effect changes, but the trigger does not. So it always triggers based on the number of land, basic land types among lands you control. But for Rada specifically, it says whenever Rada Coalition Warlord becomes tapped, another target creature you control gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. Yeah, I mean, so, presumably you have at least two <laughs> because you yeah. cast Rada in any in a normal deck. So um, I, I like this templating where uh, it says she becomes tapped. So that means if she attacks, obviously she becomes tapped and presumably you have a mountain and a forest at least. So then she's attacking as a 5-5 five, five, and that's solid if you can get this to be attacking well, as a she six, can't six. she can't pump herself oh it's another, another oh creature. well <laughs> uh then uh i guess it kind of makes more sense because the, the reason i think this is is a cute template is because it works with enlist so like you tap her to enlist something else uh and then that thing gets plus x plus x mm. so then it's getting plus two plus two so then you are buffing the toughness of your enlist creature uh and that was one of the bigger drawbacks that i saw to to enlist um but even then I still think you probably want to be getting domain three for, for this to be like a pretty solid effect. Otherwise, I guess she's not that good by herself because yeah, it, uh, by herself, another is four really, three, three. God, why does it say another, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think, I think using her within list would be interesting. We'll have to see just how much in list is printed on these cards um, in these colors. I mean, but uh, yeah, otherwise, you know, pretty reliably she'll be giving plus two plus two to something. And that, like Ben said, is when she taps to attack or for any other reason. This is also interesting with stun counters, because Hmm. if somebody tries to put a stun counter on her, she gets to buff something. Generally, that's not going to matter, but it might make blocks worse for your better for you. And they accidentally turn off an attack for your opponent when they thought they were turning one on. Something to keep in mind. Um, Works when she crews vehicles, too. So you can have this at instant speed. True. Next up is Rulik Mons, War in Chief. This is one red, green, green for a Goblin 3-3 with Menace. Whenever Rulik Mons, War in Chief attacks, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may put it onto the battlefield tapped. If you didn't put a card onto the battlefield this way, create a 1-1 red Goblin creature token. Now, I really like this effect because a lot of times when you see creatures making um, make like this type of effect, which triggers off of Rulik Mons attacking, we would typically see that 1-1 come into play tapped and attacking. Mm, this doesn't do yeah. that. So you just get the 1-1, which is which is great. You're not throwing the 1-1 away every single turn because they have blockers for it indefinitely. And it ramps you. So Luke Mons is kind of a, a, a really nice little package here. And it's 3-3 minutes, so it's going to attack pretty reliably and get that trigger pretty frequently. Interesting that it ramps you. I mean, I feel like once you're at the 4-drop, slot in red green how much bigger does this deck need to go right i feel like this would be better if you just got the one one every turn so maybe maybe the ramp is almost the drawback but i guess if you have 
one or two copies of Rulik Mons and maybe like a ramp spell or something, like put the six or seven drop in your deck because you'll probably be able to get up to it and cast it. So one thing I noticed with Rulik Mons that I'm going to be curious to try to see how well I can get it to work is that this is one of the um, asymmetrical ca- casting costs and it's base mm. green. So I could see this being put into a green deck that's maybe green blue or something splashing red for mm. the Rulik Mons and then taking the ramp to get you to some big meters oh, in blue green. Interesting. Yeah. But we'll see, you know, who knows if that actually ends up working out. Um, but I, I'm a fan of Rulik Mons. The only thing I hate about this card is that it's red green. So I can't put it in my Cranko deck. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Why isn't this one also temp- templated whenever it becomes tapped, right? Like that way it could have also triggered off of enlist. Yep. Moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually though, moving on to a pretty sweet card here. Yavi oh, Maya Iconoclast. Yavi Maya Iconoclast is one in a green for three, two elf at uncommon. It's got kicker for a red, just one red. It has trample. And when it ETBs, if it was kicked, it gets plus one, plus one and haste until end of turn. So for three mana, this can come down as a four, three haste trample. Mm. Wow. And then it keeps, uh, it, it goes back down to a three, two after that, but it'll keep the trample. And then otherwise it's just a two mana three, two with trample. Like it's just still yeah. a great, great card. I mean, if you're listening to this right now, like you, I'm talking to you, you're listening to this, you know, you want to put two and three drops in your limited deck. This does both <laughs> and it's good yeah. in both. It's like at or above rate for both, you know, like this pairs really well with tricks because it has trample pump spells, uh, first strike because it's got a higher power and everything like, and then just having it come down with haste, like top decking this in the late game, you have a four three haste trample that you can just rip off the top, and and that's your two drop. That, that's just yeah. so cool. I love this card. One of my favorites in the set so far. Likewise. So next up, we've got Viashino Branch Rider. This is a one drop, just red for a one one Viashino Warrior at common. It's got kicker for two and a green. It's got haste, and if it was kicked, it ETBs with two plus one plus one counters on it, and then it has a separate ability of two and a red. Uh, Viashino Branch Rider gets plus two plus oh until end of turn. So for one mana, you get a one one with haste that you can pump put mana into to make it attack for more. Or you can pay four mana and get a three three that you can with haste that you can dump mana into. Less excited about this than the Avamaya Iconoclast, gotta say, but it's still a solid one drop. It's good early, pretty decent late. Uh, I think too late and it doesn't scale so well, but I think this is a fine card that you're gonna see put in your decks. This is probably gonna be a pretty common common to see in the red green <laughs> decks. I think if this didn't have the fire breathing ability, I'd be a little lower on it. But the fact that this is a playable one drop and a playable four drop, uh, if you're particularly in red green, we should mention. Same thing with the Yavimaya Iconoclast. Like the Iconoclast, you probably would put in just any green deck, just two mana, three, two trample. The Branch Rider, I don't know if you like want this in blue red or anything like that as much. I feel like I think if, if you're in red green specifically and you can kick it, then this is like a, a fine playable because it, it fills your curve really well. That's what kicker is good for. And these are like aggressively costed kicker costs. This isn't like kick for like 10 or like you have to like put a ton of mana into it. Like this is going to be one of your bread and butter commons. It's it attacks. It can trade up thanks to the pump or at least threaten to. Um, I don't think you're playing this in non red green decks as much. Maybe you are if you're super aggressive. Again, maybe in a splash. Uh, but yeah, probably. I mean, your aggressive decks don't really want to splash. So I I don't think we're going to see too much of that outside of red green. Mm. Next up is Sprouting Goblin. This is one in a red for a 2-2 Goblin Druid at Uncommon. It's got Kicker for green. When Sprouting Goblin enters battlefield, if it was kicked, search the library for a land card with a basic land type, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Notably, you don't have to find a basic. It just needs a basic land type. So mm. 
outside of limited, I don't think we have any in this set, but outside of limited, you know, those like triomes and such will be uh, useful with this card. Then it has an, another ability of red tap sack a land draw card. I really wish I could put this in my Krenko deck. <laughs> oh, that's right. A, a lot of people are about to learn some unfortunate lessons about color versus color identity. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think this is good. <laughs> no, in limited, I don't think it's good either. The only reason I could see this card being worth playing is... Yeah, it seems like there's this weird... Uh, we'll have to see how this plays out, but it looks like red-green is kind of split between wanting to be aggressive and wanting to ramp, and I don't mm. quite understand why because those two things are very opposite ends yeah. of the spectrum in terms of gameplay. Where I could see this card being okay is as a two-mana 2-2 two -two that lets you turn extra lands into other cards mm. because mm. aggro decks hate flooding out, and this kind of fixes the flooding problem for aggro decks. Mm. So if you were just thinking yeah, about this true. as a two mana two two and a red ag red based aggro deck, I think it's actually fine. Um, it's not great either way, but I think it's I think it's fine in a in a red aggressive deck. I don't think you ever really want to kick this though. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So I, I wasn't thinking about it in that context. I guess maybe there might be like a teamer go big deck, like teamer Could ramp. Be. Um, Could be. In which case, this is probably okay because three mana two two go get a basic. Uh, we should put it in the, in the battlefield and it goes and gets a basic of your choice. Um, anything with a basic land type even. So this could be what gets you to domain three. I mean, if you have red and green already, it, it would get you to domain three. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going to land on this one. Really funny art though. Poor goblin Love got it. cordyceps, I think. And, uh, some last of us nonsense happening there. Also look at the little sapperlings just kind of jumping off of it and walking away. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. So last up for the target type, we've got Colossal Growth. This is one in a green for an instant common kicker red. Target creature gets plus three, plus three until end of turn. If the spell is kicked, instead that creature gets plus four, plus four, and gains trample and haste until end of turn. That's a solid little combat trick. Yeah, I like this. This is a fun one. So this is the kind of one that could sit in your hand for a while, and then... I don't know, you top deck a creature in the mid to late game, you haste it in with trample, something smaller, like a like a two-two on turn five. Play your two-two, play this on it, all of a sudden you're attacking for a million. Ooh, so one thing I always overlook this with haste, but I did just realize uh to to do that properly, you would need to cast this at sorcery speed. So it's not really a combat trick. Um yeah, yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. So it gives you options. I, I guess that's flexibility, right? Because this is a three-three just whenever plus three plus three for two mana and, and some green decks will want that but this is also three mana for plus four plus four and trample at instant speed or it's three mana for plus four plus four trample and haste at sorcery speed right. i mean it kind of has three different modes in, in that way and um yeah. i think the first two you'll use a lot more often just the plus three plus three for two or um four four trample for three but I think every once in a while you'll haste in a little thing like a three, three or a two, two, or maybe a four, four, if you're up to seven mana, um, it, it, you just had this in your hand and you're like, okay, I mean, I can just put a bunch of pressure on them right now with a big attack. Yeah. Next up, we've got green, white and, uh, domain tokens, 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 tokens. There's a lot of tokens in this archetype. So, uh, let's check out Zar Ojanin, Scion of Ephrava. We're just making up words at this point. So <laughs> this is three green white for a four four cat warrior. Uh, it has domain, which is interesting because uh, green white I feel like is maybe less domain focused, but it still does have domain. It says whenever Zaro Janin, sign of Ephrava becomes tapped, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control with toughness less than the number of basic land types among lands you control. 
Okay. So let's say you have planes and forest when you have uh, Zaro Janin. And let's say you attack with Zaro Janin. It becomes tapped. You put a 1-1 counter on each creature you control with one toughness, which would be any tokens you have laying around or maybe even some smaller creatures. Uh, or if you happen to have a planes, a forest, and a swamp, uh, you would put a 1-1 counter on everything with toughness two or less. And then the next time you would like tap with it, you probably wouldn't unless those creatures shrunk somehow. Um, I don't, yeah, know. I don't it, think it, I it, like this. I wish this was less than or equal to the number of basic land types you have because yeah, then be at least you like can give, I don't know. I think making this less than the, the number of basic land types you have is going to make this just hardly ever useful. Mm-hmm. You're going to want a lot of one ones or X ones. If you're just playing this in, in a two color deck. And if you can get a third color going, you, I guess want to make sure you have a bunch of one ones and, and, or X1s and X2s. Um, it's cool that this is repeatable. It's not like an ETB effect. So this is whenever it becomes tapped. And it, it, it is templated where it works with Enlist or crewing vehicles similar to Rada. Yeah, and I will say the fact that they did choose to make this less than probably means making a bunch of 1-1 tokens is going to be fairly easy in these colors. Yeah. So um, maybe it actually needed to be less than to make this not just literally overrun every archetype. One one tokens, you say? Oh, where, where are we going to get some of those? Perhaps Queen Alanal of Rudak. Again, we're just we're just making stuff up. <laughs> she could probably help you out with that. That's uh, green, white, white for a star star elf noble. Uh, her power and toughness are equal to the number of creatures you control. And if one or more creature tokens would be created under your control, those tokens plus a 1-1 white soldier creature token are created instead. All right, that's cool. I like this. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. She buffs herself and uh, does something approaching a whining constrictor. Or not whining constrictor. Kind of. Conclave mentor. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's just going to make a lot of tokens. And then obviously that's good for her because she's going to get big really quick. Uh, By herself, she is just a 1-1. And if you have another thing that makes tokens, she could get up to like a 4-4 or a 5-5 pretty quickly. Definitely look for the the ETB effects that make tokens or like that horse that we just mentioned. If you're going to go Abzan tokens or there's another one we're about to mention. Argivian Cavalier. That's two and a white for a 2-2 Orc Knight at common. It has Enlist and it says when Argivian Cavalier enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token. So there you go. <laughs> there's your uh, there's your token generator. And this thing has a list too. So this, okay, here's my problem with this. So Argivian Cavalier, at ETVs, you, you do it, you get the thing, it makes a token. The next turn, you attack with it, you leave the token back, it attacks as a 3-2. I mean, okay, yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, I, what if they only have X, like X1s and you want to attack with the 1-1? I guess it helps you get through like a three toughness blocker. The ability to mess with your power, like just based on having this, is pretty cool. Okay, I, I, I maybe it's better than training. I take back what I said earlier. It's probably better than training. I am still not sold that it's good. I think the real important thing about Agarvian Cavalier is that it, it it's a two two that makes a one one and it costs three. Historically, those are always great and limited. Um, it's going to be a solid playable. There's no way it's bad. <laughs> so um, take those, put them in your green white deck. Next up, we've got, well, uh, this is going to be a controversial one, I'm sure. Love Song of Night and Day. This is a saga. It has read ahead, of course. And it has, uh, for chapter one, you and target opponent each draw two cards. Oh, it's a love song. You know, I wish there was like a podcast that did an episode on breaking symmetry with effects. Uh, oh, effects you should that draw do- both you and you your sh- opponent cards. Yeah, you should listen to uh, Draft Chaff episode 112. I've never heard of it. Uh, I'll check it out someday. Uh, chapter two. 
create a 1-1 white bird creature token with flying. Chapter 3, put a 1-1 counter on each of up to two target creatures. So here's something kind of funny. You can just skip that chapter. You know, if you're not a fan, this is just a three mana, 1-1, and then you put a 1-1 counter on each of the two target creatures. So maybe it's a little below rate for that because then you have a three mana 1-1 flyer. And then it becomes a three mana two two flyer, and then it puts a counter on something else. So, would you play just at at base rate a three mana two two flyer that puts a counter on something? Uh, three mana two two flyer that puts a counter on something else. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably play that. Yeah, yeah, it seems fine. And uh, here's the thing: there's a lot of people hearing this right now and saying, "I'm always going to skip chapter one." I'm sorry, you're a coward, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that you're not prepared to break the symmetry by being a better player than your opponent. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you put this as your top end. This three mana card is your top end to draw you two more cards in your aggressive white <laughs> flyers deck. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to dump my hand and play this. I'm going to kill my opponent while I have five cards in hand, and I'm not going to care that I drew them two extra ones. I'm going to I'm gonna trigger chapter one more than most players, um, but I probably will also just come in on chapter two or three sometimes too. Yeah, I think, I think the biggest problem with this card doing that is that it, it by definition delays you a turn. Which, when it comes to breaking mm. symmetry on trying to do the on breaking the card draw symmetry, you usually want to be faster than your opponent, and this delays yeah. you. So I'm not so sure I'm I'm thrilled about this effect uh, when it like compared to something like Farsight Adept from Zendikar Rising. I will say this is nowhere near as good as Farsight Adept. Farsight Adept was busted, and I will die on that hill. Uh, next up, we've got Scout the Wilderness. This is two and a green for a sorcery at common. Uh, it is kicker for one and a white. It says, search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle. If the spell is kicked, create two 1-1 white soldier creature tokens. I think this is a trap for green-white. I think you're supposed to think this goes in the green-white tokens deck. I think it's going to be mid in the green-white tokens deck because this deck doesn't seem like it wants to spend turn three ramping. Like, what are you going to ramp into? You're, you're, you're three mana 2-2 two, two that makes a 1-1 one, one and another one of those? Like, you can go big on this, and the kicker is pretty cool. The fact that you topped it this in the late game, you get some 1-1s one out of it. I actually see this more of, as a domain ramp deck. I, I think there's like a, a five color base green domain ramp deck. And I see this as slotting into it. So it's cool because if you don't have your white source yet, this can just go get it. Uh, or if you already have your white source, you can wait till turn five, kick it, get up to your massive, I don't know, domain, like uh, like get, get your last uh, like thing that you need and then get two one ones to continue to stall the board. One more here, strength of the coalition. This is one mana. It's an instant. It's an uncommon, and this kicker for two and a white, so you can cast it for one or cast it for four, and it says target creature you control gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. If this spell was kicked, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Did someone say blowout? Yeah, at instant speed? Oh, boy. Yeah, this is, um, you're going to have to play around this one, and it's going to be hard to play around this one because uh, they could just use it on a single creature if they wanted to and then use a removal spell. Um, with the other three mana they have up, or they could kick it and, and do the whole thing where something functionally gets plus three, plus three, and then everything else gets a permanent plus one, plus one. So this card um, will kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. This, this is the kind of card where you're like, Oh, I'm taking five this turn. Yeah. Easy. Send it through. And then suddenly you've taken 15. Yep. <laughs> Just a, a huge payoff for going wide though. Like putting a counter on all of your tokens and then buffing something to like maybe blow one thing out in combat, then trade a few things, win a few combats. Um, really, really strong card for green white. This is like a reason to be in green white. All right. Next up is one of my favorite vectors so far. This art, this, this set, and that is white, black Phyrexian sack attack. So we are looking at something remotely similar to black, red, and I think Mardu has this as just the theme overall, so don't be surprised to see Wedge decks showing up. 
doing this, but the cards that I've seen for this vector just make me excited. Mm-hmm. So the first one here is Ellis Ilcor, Sadistic Pilgrim. This is white black for a 2-2 Phyrexian Core Cleric with Death Touch. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. And whenever another creature you, you control dies, each opponent loses one life. The madmen did it. They put a Soul Sister and a Zulaport Cutthroat into the same card. And gave it Death Touch. <laughs> <laughs> And without any buffs to mana cost or anything. It's just a two mana, two, two death touch plus soul sister plus Zolaport Cutthroat. <laughs> this is really good. It's <laughs> this, really, really this, good. This might this be not a cube a rare? inclusion. This might be a cube card, actually. Um, straight, straight to the draft chaff cube with you, Ellis Ilkor. How is this not a rare? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, look at the token makers we just talked about, right? Like curve this into the, the orc, the two, two that makes a one, one, you gain a bunch of life and then you start sacking those things to drain your opponent out. Like have they never made this card before? I don't know, but uh, you know, Ellis is, is, is looking pretty lonely. So why don't we introduce Ellis to Aaron Benalia's ruin white, white, black for Phyrexian human three, three with menace. And you can pay white, black tap and sack another creature to put a one, one counter on each creature you control. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this thing just smacks them as a 3-3 menace for a few turns. And then you say, okay, I'm done with that. Time to sack this 1-1. One, one, turn this into a 4-4 four, four menace and then start smacking with the 4-4 four, four menace. And then like, it, it plays really well with itself. Once it gets outclassed by your opponent, you just sack a thing, make your whole board bigger, make this bigger, and start smacking them again with the massive menace thing. Like This is disgusting. an instant kill spell. Like Get rid of this uh, on site. Do not let this thing live. Yeah. Yeah, this this just I mean, this makes such good use of, of, of fodder and tokens and things that can come back and recur. I wonder if they put any of those in this set. Well, uh, we've talked about a few already, uh, but not necessarily in these colors. I mean, this is, again, talking about like Mardu, um, the Phoenix chick is pretty sweet uh, to, to recur for this kind of thing. We did already talk about Phyrexian Warhorse. That's the three black three, three with kicker one and uh, kicker white uh, ETB make a one, one white soldier if it was kicked. Otherwise, you can pay one sack it to give it plus not sack it, sack other creatures to give it plus two plus one. So that's going to be sweet here. I mean, this is where you want to kick this card, um, mm-hmm. getting the extra creatures. Place. You look at something like this paired with uh, Ellis, gain a life when that creature comes in, gain, uh, drain your opponent when you kill the thing, give every creature plus one plus one when you activate the other ability. Like, uh, yeah, all these things put together just make me very happy. Next up, we've got Cult Conscript. This is black for a 2-1 Skeleton Warrior at Uncommon. It had ETBs tapped. And then it has a one black return it from your graveyard to the battlefield only if a non-skeleton creature died under your control this turn. So we've seen this effect on like reassembling skeleton and things of similar nature. I think typically this is a rare, isn't it? So yeah, reassembling skeleton is like a 1-1 one and it costs two. We pretty much only ever see one mana two ones with this ability at rare. Uh, I'm thinking Grim Wanderer. Yeah, I think Gutter Bones, like you said. And they're usually harder to do. Usually it's like if your opponent lost life, which means you have to get through. Or if you have no cards in hand, which means you have to be out of cards. This one, a thing just has to have died. And we've said that that can be harder to make happen than you think. It doesn't trigger off of itself because it says non-skeleton. But this is a sack deck. You know, you're going to be sacking tokens, trading things off. Um, this shouldn't be hard to bring back and be like, really good fuel uh, for something, especially like Aaron Benalia's Ruin. Yeah, and there are a lot of cards, but I mean, we've already talked about quite a few cards that let you sack other creatures in this set, so mm-hmm. uh, it shouldn't be too difficult to get going. Um, but once you've started sacking your creatures, you may you may want to get them back in some way, shape, or form. And so uh, there's Unburial Priest, one and a white for Phyrexian Human Cleric at Uncommon. It's a 2-3 
and it's got kicker for one and a black with lifelink. And when it enters a battlefield, if it was kicked, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So not bringing it back to the battlefield, but it's still a two mana, two, three with lifelink or a four mana, two, three lifelink extra body. I don't know. This card is just really good. I don't know why. You we should mention Unburial Priest is the temporary scryfall name. We're doing this so early right. that we don't actually know what it's called. But uh, can we just address that this is a one of the white two, three lifelink? Right. Like just add, <laughs> that's it's just by itself. That's, that's it's, pretty good. Um, or it's a grave digger if you're in black, white and, and can get it. And then it's a grave digger with, you know, the two, three body and lifelink. That's really, really good. Um, this is definitely, again, a reason to be in these colors. Also, it looks like the Phyrexians got into Sarah's realm. How'd they get sure up that does high? Look like it. Yeah. But that thing was in the sky. Yeah. Uh, can any of them fly? Well, I guess they could. Oh yeah. They, yeah, they got flying things. I mean, if you take a look at the uh, at the weather light, it's it's not doing too. Oh high. yeah. It yeah. got a little bit of goop on it, so that <laughs> they've got it. They can fly. Yeah. All right. So our next card here is Benelish Sleeper. This is one and a white for a three-one Phyrexian human soldier at common. We're pretty used to seeing two mana three ones at, in white specifically. This is also as kicker for black. And when it ETBs, if it was kicked, each player sacks a creature. Yeah. So <laughs> this is another one of those break the symmetry kind of effects. You want a bunch of one ones around. Uh, if you play this on two, it's probably just going to not like you just you just don't kick it. It's a two mana or three one and you're good to go. Um, and again, this gives you flexibility. If you don't have anything that you're happy to sack or your opponent has something really they'd be happy to sack. You just don't kick it and you've got a two mana three one. Mm hmm. Uh, I mean, we, we see, like you said, this archetypal two mana three one. This shows up all the time. But another card we see that shows up with relative frequency is Fleshbag Marauder, which is the like classic uh, two and a black three one ETB each player sacks a creature. And that's usually a pretty good card. That's usually a card that's like worth including in deck. Sometimes you top deck it when they have their one bomb on the field that you've been struggling to, to deal with. And it just takes care of the whole thing. Uh, it gets around ward, gets around indestructible, gets around all sorts of things because it's a sack effect. Um, th this is that. This is both your two mana three one and uh, fleshbag marauder. If you kick it. Yeah. Also, the claw thing that guy's got on his hand is like the heck. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the gigantic. flavor text. Even he didn't know what he was until he felt his skin shifting and splitting, his mind overtaken by a chaos of whispers. Yikes. Love it. Man, the Phyrexians are so cool. Ah, they're so annoying. Phyrexians. All right. Well, uh, next up, we've got Black Green and um, Dead Domain. <laughs> uh, we've got Bortok Bone Rattle. That looks like a bone <laughs> rattle, all right. <laughs> That's it's, it's a, an aft name. Uh, four black green. This is a big signpost. Four four troll shaman. It has domain. When Bortok bone rattle enters the battlefield, if you cast it, choose target creature card in your graveyard. Return that card to the battlefield if its mana value is less than or equal to the number of basic land types among lands you control. Otherwise, put it in your hand. So this is kind of like a one-off Marin of Neltoth. That's kind of cool. Uh, except it doesn't care about experience. It cares about domain. Yeah. So this is one of the first domain cards we've seen. That's like an ETB effect. I think most of the other ones we've seen have been pretty repeatable. Um, notably, if you like reanimate this, you're not going to get the domain ability. So then it's just mm. a four, four. Flickering, um, it doesn't work either. Sad. Right. You, you have to cast it. So it really is more of a one-off unless you have some reanimators that instead of bringing them to battlefield, do bring them to your hand. Something like on burial priest, perhaps. Um, hmm. yeah. Um, I, mean, I think this is a solid effect, really, though. I, what, what do you, this is another one where you like really would love to see this in like a domain four deck. Yeah, I, I think if you're getting back a three, four, or maybe five drop, if you manage to live the dream, uh, a note on domain, once you have it, your opponent can't do anything about it. It's kind of like energy in that way. Like, uh, there's no cards that are going to be blowing up lands in the set unless 
well, full spoil is not out yet. We don't know. There might be. But if you're bringing in like dom- like land destruction as domain hate, like that's not where you want to be anyway. So I, I feel like this is going to be pretty solid if you can get up to three or four or if you can reanimate a five drop with this, that's obviously nuts. Getting back a three drop is like good. Getting back a one or two drop is pretty low impact because it, it is a smaller body. It's a four, four and it costs six. So, I mean, if your opponent is playing a faster deck, this might just rot in your hand while you a attempt to get domain B attempt to stay alive. So make sure you're like either ramping, fixing yourself for domain or have good ways to survive to the late game. Yeah. There are a few things I wanted to mention there. The, the fact that this is a six drop and you only get the effect if you cast it, does mean that either you better ramp into this or you're like getting a two drop is really not going to affect the game at all by yeah. turn six or whatever. The other thing is it's a six drop. So you kind of have time to set up domain. If you really, if you like build your deck around it and you have cards to go fetch basics and such, you can probably get to domain three or four pretty realistically or pretty reliably if you are trying to do that. And that's what your vector, like the deck is aimed at. Yeah. Next up, I'm pleased to introduce... Erg Spawn of Turg. Black, black, green for a frog beast. I love a good frog card. Uh, and this is a beast. This is a star five. Uh, and it says Erg Spawn of Turg's power is equal to the number of land cards in your graveyard. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard. And then it has black, green, sacrifice a land, you gain two life. So a um, bit of a weird hodgepodge of things, but they kind of add up to a pretty big beast here. If this starts as like a 1-5 or maybe even a 0-5, I mean, how often on turn three do you have a land in your graveyard? Unless you're like self-milling, not very often. Uh, it's going to fuel that, of course, based on its second clause, this you know, functionally scrying every turn. And this is actually better than scrying every turn. Putting in your graveyard is better. We've seen synergy with instants and sorceries in your graveyard, reanimation effects like Bortuk. And this will help you find your domain stuff pretty quickly. Um, I guess on the flip side, you have to cast this for black, black, green. So if you're putting a bunch of like islands and planes in your deck to try to get to a high domain, you might not reliably cast this on turn three. There's, there's a tension between these hard to cast uh, legendaries and reaching domain. Unless you have some, you know, fixing and ways to get it. So just be careful with this one. Um, that last clause, I don't think you're going to have happen too often. But late in the game, you have like eight mana and your opponent's like beating you down. They're pressuring you. This could help you in a race. Um, just gain a bunch of life out of nowhere. Gain like 10 life. Sack all your lands. Swinging the crack back. I don't know. So one thing I really love about this card is the like peak the top card thing happens at upkeep. So Mm. you haven't drawn your card for the turn yet, which means when you find lands on the top, you can put them in the graveyard, buff this creature up, and then not draw a land. That's true. So it it does a whole lot in one little kind of fell swoop to to make sure that your game plan is going forward. So I I like this card. I do think it's going to be pretty hard to cast, and you're going to have some of those contentions that Ben mentioned that you need to keep an eye out for. But uh, Erg Spot of Turg seems pretty fun, and I'm going to always say the entire card name every time (laughs) that I play it. Of course. So to be honest, some of the black green commons, um, a little bit mid right now, you know, uh, we've got Urborg repossession. This is black for sorcery. It's a common. It is kicker one in the green return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. You gain two life. If this spell was kicked, return another target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. This is not one of the mid ones I was talking about. This one's actually pretty cool. Obviously works really well with Erg because you're putting a bunch of your own stuff in your graveyard. This is just a really good raise that effect. I mean, it's going to get back a creature for one. And you gain two no matter what, even if you didn't kick it. So this can just go in any black deck and be like a get back a good creature. Uh, Particularly in black green, just get back a permanent. So you could get back one of those lands that you self-milled that maybe you didn't want to. Maybe one of the ones you needed for domain. 
Yeah, I think getting back a permanent there is is going to be relevant. We haven't seen a ton of like non-creature cards so far, but we tend to highlight uh, creatures and then instants and sorceries when we do these, um, unless there's really like an amazing artifact or enchantment worth mentioning. But um, I think that's going to be pretty relevant, especially when you're considering you can like mill all the stuff over. Having a way to get non-creatures back is going to be pretty great. We've got Tear Asunder up next. This is one in a green for an instant at uncommon. It is kicker one of the black. Exile target artifact or enchantment. If this spell was kicked, exile target non-land permanent instead. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Sign is this up. is this really good? Like what? Yeah, I mean, it seems it, great. this is this is four mana. If you're in black green, four mana, exile a non-land permanent. That's nuts. You you would play as many of those as you can get. Uh if you're not kicking it, it it's is just card. yeah, it is just a sideboard card. If you're in black green, you're gonna main deck this. Um I guess if you're in like a domain deck that you could splash with this, you're going to main deck it. I guess even if you're playing like green red with one swamp, you might put it in your deck and be like, okay, I'll draw the swamp eventually. Otherwise I'm going to be able to exile their Like if white plays like an O-ring effect at which there is one at common in the set. Um, I don't know. Maybe you want an instant speed or exile artifact or enchantment. This is a good card. I feel like it's going to be a high pick and it would put you towards green black, but I mean, maybe maybe you're playing like Jund or something and you find that you just can just put a few swamps in this uh, and, and maybe a few ways to find them. I don't know. It's, it's a cool card and it's going to have some deck building tension. I do think this one's less modal than it looks. This is one of those kicker spells. It's like you're either casting this, like you're putting this in your deck knowing I'm either casting this at four or I'm not putting it in my deck. Like mm. a lot of decks are going to play that way um, where it's just a two mana sideboard. Bring it in if your opponent has an artifact or an enchantment you can't deal with. Um, otherwise, it's effectively a gold card mm-hmm. so next up we have shildred's restoration she's not looking too hot here uh three and a black for a sorcery uncommon it is kicker for two and a white so you can pay either four or seven for this return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield if the spell was kicked you gain life equal to that card's mana value otherwise you lose that much life and then you exile shildred's restoration so if you're doing a bunch of self-mill in green-black, you're going to have these good beefy creatures. Green-black is, you know, you get the good green creatures, these these big like seven drops and things. Um, and then you lose seven life when you reanimate it. So this is, uh, I mean, it's a nice reanimation spell at, at a good cost. But uh, if you do this for seven, which I feel like black-green, uh, if you're getting up to seven, you should be able to find a, a planes, right? Well, Especially if you're doing the domain thing. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And you've got time to ramp into like go fetch a, a white mana source if you need it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're playing like a black green late game graveyardy reanimation style deck, I feel like you could just put two planes in your deck. You'll find them thanks to Erg spawn of Turg. And then um, you, you, I don't know, self mill it early, get it back with Erg Borg repossession, play your planes and then kick Shildred's restoration to bring back a huge seven drop that you self milled. This just feels like a, I mean, that looks, that sounds fun to me, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be great when you get that play pattern to happen. One more here, Bog Badger. This is, this, uh, I don't know. It's something. Is it? It looks like it's a Phyrexian badger, but it's only templated as badger in the subtype. Like that's Phyrexian stuff on its arm, right? Like kind of looks like it. Yeah, maybe it hasn't quite turned yet. Yeah, that's possible. So it's it's two and a green for a three three badger at common. Uh, and is kicker for a black. When it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, creatures you control gain menace until end of turn. So at its base rate, three mana, three, three. You know, green decks, sometimes you need a three drop and a three mana, three, three. You know, you'll play it. Uh, if you're in green, black, this has a little bit of added utility in that you can kick it and all of a sudden your stuff becomes very difficult to block. And that just gives all of your stuff menace. Giving all your stuff menace is a lot better than it sounds. Uh, that's a 
it's not that much worse than giving all your stuff flying for a turn. It's like give all of your stuff minus one or two of the things flying per turn and your opponent gets to pick like which two. So um, something to keep an eye on. Uh, I think it's going to be a, like a, a fine playable, um, especially in green black. In, in any other green deck, just a three mana three three, maybe it won't be good enough. All right. Next up, we've got green blue, which we're calling wet domain. Question yeah, we mark. are. <laughs> oh, no, uh, we're calling it wet domain. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, first off here, we've got Nail, Avazoa Aeronaut, two green blue for an Elf Scout. It's a two, four with flying and has domain. Whenever Nail, uh, deals combat damage to a player, look at the top X cards of your library where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. Put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom in a random order. Then if there are five basic land types among lands you control, draw a card. This is like domain within a domain. (laughs) Yeah, I, I like this one. Um, I mean, this is the payoff. Like this is why you would build a big Sultai uh, or big teamer um, style like ramp deck. Like you would say, all right, Nail is going to be drawing me a card every turn. And this, I I think this is like the thing that if you do it, you did it. Like if you're if there are five basic land types among lands you control, draw a card. They think it's doable. Or they wouldn't have templated it like this. Um, I, I, I'm going to try it. You know, it's also a, a four mana two four flyer. You know, just solid body. Yeah, I think this is going to be interesting. I'm excited to see people like break Nail like reliably get that five thing and, and draw cards every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, Once domain does, is on, it does, it's on, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is, but it's limited by how often this thing can actually get in. Cause it has to deal damage to a player mm. in combat. So, you know, a two, four flyer is probably not often going to be blockable, but you don't need much to be able to block a two power creature. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I should mention that this set feels like it's about the same speed as the previous Dominaria set. It feels slow. Like these, a lot of yeah. these, uh, you're not seeing a lot of like five mana five fives, four mana four fours at these uncommon slots. Um, a lot of these legends, they seem templated, like their their bodies tend to be a little smaller and their effects tend to be a little more dominant. Like this is a very strong effect if you can get that domain thing. So I have a feeling this is going to be a, as we've seen recently in sets, kind of like Neo, a fast uh, but late game thing where, where you can like, you want to be doing things on turns two, three, four, uh, or you're going to lose. But I think it, it's going to be like a building thing where it goes into the late game. Like that's what this, this particular green blue seems set to do. Yeah. Next up, we've got Tatiova steward of tides. This is green, green, blue for a merfolk druid three, three lands you control have flying. that wasn't a joke that's what the card says awesome but it also says whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control if you control seven or more lands up to one target land you control becomes a three three elemental creature with haste it's still a land notably it never stops being a creature this isn't like an until end of turn thing yeah um so essentially you've got this like landfall once you've got seven or more lands you have she basically gets like landfall give a land three three flying and haste that's that's, that's pretty, pretty good. cool. <laughs> the three three flyers are no joke. Three three flyer haste, especially. So I mean, that's good flood protection right there. Yeah, this does have the drawback that all the like animate land effects have in that if you want to attack with those creatures, can't use them for mana because they don't have vigilance. So something to also keep in mind. But uh, and then like if you never can hit the seven or more lands thing, which clearly this is pointing into a ramp deck. Uh, if you can't hit the seven or more lands thing, she's just a vanilla three three for three and really hard to cast <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh we should mention this does pair well with other land creatures <laughs> you can make uh, but I, I don't think we saw any other ways to make them in the set but i don't th- i mean a lot of these are like unique commanders yeah 
Yeah, for sure. So looking into like the more, well, I don't even want to call them monocolored because all the kicker stuff, but uh, joint <laughs> yeah. exploration is one in a blue for an instant and uncommon. It's got kicker green. Scry two, then draw a card. All right, pretty solid effect. If the spell is kicked, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. Not tapped. Just put it right onto the battlefield. Mm, yeah, that's true. Nice. So so for three mana, you can scry two, draw a card, put a land in, on, into play. That is pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. I, I like this. It's a nice little uh, card draw spell. You can put this in really any blue deck. I mean, it's a cantrip that we were talking about, right? Blue-white would want this just as much as blue-green. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Next up, we've got Phyrexian Espionage. This is two and a blue for a sorcery at common. It's got kicker for one and a black. Draw two cards. If the spell is kicked, each opponent discards a card. Okay, strictly better at divination. Great, good. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's a sorcery. It, the kicker is cheaper. Um, they only discard one. This reminds me of Caligo Skin Witch. Having a kicker yeah. that makes your opponent discard, we found to be really good in a slower format where your opponent has these big things in hand, these big payoffs. Um I mean, divination, if this is a divination set, like you're going to want this in the blue green deck. And uh, look at that art, too. That, that, that's yeah. cool. I think, uh, you know, this this especially like compounding, drawing two cards with your opponent, discarding one card. Just the gap there is so much bigger than it seems mm. uh, in terms of card advantage. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for this one. It looks pretty good. Next up is the Weather Seed Treaty. This is two and a green for a an uncommon saga. First chapter is search a library for basic land, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. The second chapter is create a 1-1 green sapling creature token. And the third chapter is a domain effect, actually. Target creature you control gets plus X plus X and gains trample until end of turn, where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. This is a great little ramp spell. Three mana, go grab a basic if you're trying to do the domain thing. Um, it's, a, it's a ramp spell that has added value later in the game. Um, and then, of course, you could always just, it has read ahead, so you can skip that first one if you don't need the land or you don't want to make a sapling and you just want that domain pump. But I think you're often going to want to use this to go grab the a basic land that you need to either fix your splash or hit domain and make that more effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes this will, I mean, I feel like more often than not, you'll want all three chapters of this, but there will be corner cases where your opponent is at one and the boards are empty and you go, oh, sweet, I top decked a one one that's going to get a bunch of, it's going to get pumped next turn. Uh, or sometimes if your opponent has one blocker, no cards in hand, you have one attacker, you just go right to chapter three, give it the pump, trample. Uh, but for the most part, this feels like, you know, exactly what the blue-green deck wants to do on turn three. Yep. Next up is Yavi Maya Sojourner. This is seven and a green for Tree Folk at common. It's a four, six, and it's got domain. This spell costs one less to cast for each basic land type among lands you control. This is the green card in this, like, spells cost one less to cast cycle. Um, so reliably... I don't know what this is going to cost six, maybe five. If you're, if you're really pushing for the domain thing. Yeah. So this one's a little, this one's, I think worse than some of the other ones, but because it's also just a vanilla four, six, like it doesn't have trample. doesn't have reach. Why doesn't it have a reach? Look at that. Look at, look how tall it is. It's a tree. Yeah. It should have reach. Um, so I'm thinking if you could get three, like you go weather seed treaty, right? Um, weather seed treaty on three, you're playing blue green, you go get a planes. And then you untap on turn four, uh, you play another forest, you have five lands, you have three basic land types, you can cast the Sojourner for five, right? Because uh, then you have three, it's yeah. uh, it's reduced to four and a green. So then you have a five mana, four, six. That's yeah, just still, okay. Yeah, I'm not excited you know? about that. Like, I want to be able to cast this for like three mana or four so you're, mana. You're going to need I'm, all five basic land right. types for that one. <laughs> right. So like even at four, I'd be happy. I think I'd be cast, happy casting this at four, but then, yeah, you still need, like, yeah, four basic land types. And and I don't think even in the domain decks, I think it's going to be pretty difficult to get to four or five. Mm -hmm. 
Now, if you can get to five, this is obviously three, like a three yeah. mana four or six. But then it's a three mana four or six that comes down after you've already spent all that work. I mean, if your opponent's beating you down, it's a problem. So, yeah, it's an option for the domain decks. Uh, but I think this is probably going to take a backseat to some of the better top end stuff. All right. Next up. It's not very often that I say I'm most excited for blue red, but I am. Uh, this is is one of my top archetypes to, to, to give a shot. We're calling this a spell strike, something like that. I mean, spells and it's mad. So first up, Balmor Battle Mage Captain. This, this just looks nuts. So this is blue red for a 1-3 flying bird wizard. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, creatures you control get plus one, plus oh, and gain trample until end of turn. So... I mean, it's a good thing this isn't in the tokens colors because like, <laughs> that that's nuts. Yeah, it could be uh, Jeskai Flyers. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 obviously it pairs better with evasion and going wide. But uh, even just if you're curving out normal and playing like a three drop, a four drop, and then you cast a few instants and sorceries, giving your whole team like one, two, oh, and trample. That's really big. That's really aggressive. It's going to be hard for your opponent to race you. It's going to be hard for your opponent to block. And that's really good for your two drop. It's also just a two meta one three flyer, which is, you know, fine stats by itself. Well, and those instants and sorceries are doing things. You know, most of the time in a deck like this, they're going to be combat tricks that are buffing your other creatures. Or maybe they're getting rid of a blocker or something. So, yeah, that's exactly why I, I find this deck appealing. It's a... It looks like a really strong blue-red tempo deck. Next up, you got Najal the Stormrunner. This is two blue-blue-red for a 5-4. Uh, it's in a free wizard at Uncommon. You may cast sorcery spells as though they had flash. Oh, yeah. That's always fun. You can really get your opponent with that. That's that's an uncommon effect. That's you usually see that on rares in, like, Commander Legend sets. <laughs> like, I don't remember the last time we had that in, like, you know, normal limited. It says, whenever Najal Stormrunner attacks, you may pay two. If you do, when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. So you can blow your opponents out with instant speed sorceries copied during combat. Oh, nice. yeah. <laughs> nice. That's all right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that's is, really cool. This is up there for me, too, with the white-black deck. Between the two of these, I think I'm good to go. I don't need to draft anything else this format. <laughs> So blue-red, we've noticed, has a lot of really efficient ways of getting your opponent's stuff out of the way, locking it down uh, temporarily. And it looks like you're not going to need much longer than that. Now, weird that one of the signposts is a five drop when the other one is so low to the ground and aggressive. So maybe there's some tension there. I don't know. I want to see how it plays out. I think it, it makes sense if this is the kind of format that I said earlier, if it is a fast format, but it's not necessarily aggressive. Because then this was still able to chunk through for, for five when it, when it can. Uh, let's talk about impede momentum. We've been talking about stun counters, but this is one of the blue for a sorcery, or I guess instant if you're, uh, if you're playing with Najal. Uh, tap target creature and put three stun counters on it. And then, of course, if a permanent with a stun counter would become untapped, remove one from it instead. And then it scries you one. Nice. Yes. Nice little uh, removal spell play, for blue. I will play just about as many of these as I can get, I think. Mm-hmm. It's... It's, it's so sad that's not draw a card, but if that was draw a card, this would be the best blue common by a long shot. I think scry one is, is perfect there. And uh, let's just say when the game ends before the thing comes off its stun counter, then this is just one of the blue killer creature scry one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Next up, timely interference. One blue for an instant at common. It has kicker for one and a red, and it says target creature gets minus one minus O until end of turn. And then if the spell was kicked, that creature blocks this turn if able, draw a card. A nice little cantrip here. This is at its base. One blue, minus one, minus O, draw a card. 
And that yeah. is really, really good for some of these uh, these instance sorcery decks. They want cantrips like this. Yeah, I think it's actually going to be pretty rare that you kick this. You're going to mm. really need a creature because it doesn't it doesn't tell you that you get to assign blocks. Like it just forces a creature to block, so they they yeah. get to pick who they're blo- what they're blocking. Yeah. Um. So I think uh, I think you're probably just going to play this as something approaching uh like an opt like mm. one mana give a thing minus one minus oh draw a card buff your other stuff because you cast an instant kill something in combat uh like this is functionally a cantrip that is also a combat trick mm-hmm. and uh in this deck you can't really get much better than that yeah it, it breaks trades uh two creatures that were about to trade no longer trade uh if you are in blue red i could see this working well with enlist to break through a line of defenders if you had stuff that were like if, if your opponent has like an 04 you can force their uh, their their like high toughness thing to block an enlist red creature that you have um i again, will just say combat i will say this also you know going back to najal uh you attack with a jaw but pri- prior to blocks you cast this copy it now two wow. of their things have to block and najal's a big creature so draw two and you draw two and offer I guess that would be for three mana because you have to pay two to get the effect off of the jaw. But um, there are, I think there are definitely going to be ways you can use this card plus something like Najal or even, I mean, this is already an instant. So you can do this pre-blocks in any combat yeah. where you just force creatures that otherwise wouldn't be wanting to block to block and you just get like a free, basically turn this into kill a creature. This is a lot of action for a one mana thing and, and it replaces itself it draws it draws a card oh yeah i'm i'm all i'm in for this deck I, this is sounding super sweet you're gonna like this next one how about twin inferno one in a red instant uncommon choose one when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn copy that spell and you may choose new targets or target creature you control gains double strike until end of turn oh they didn't block Najal. take 10 oh uh they they, they blocked Najal. uh double timely interference uh yeah this is this is just a banger in blue red um i mean giving giving something like a flyer double strike even giving like something like balmore uh or copying an instant or sorcery and an overrun effect in red or something like that here's a good one to copy fires of victory one in red instant uncommon if this spell was kicked draw a card i forgot to mention this kicker for two in a blue if it was kicked to draw a card fires of victory deals damage to target creature or planeswalker equal to the number of cards in your hand so this is two mana often deal three, four in the, in the early to mid game. And then you can kick it to draw a card and then it's a five mana deal, I guess lower, like less, maybe like deal two to four, but you're kicking it so you're getting back up a card. I don't know, just super versatile uh, removal spell. And it draws you a card too. It's a removal spell that draws a card. Like what more do you want? Yeah, a lot of these blue, and we've already looked at some other blue spells that I'm pretty excited about that we didn't list in this particular section. I think this is beating white black for me is a favorite archetype i think ben and i are going to be comparing uh root blue reds uh spell strike decks for the the next few yeah. months here yeah also, i hate to say it mm. i just i just wanted to mention twin inferno another card that has super sweet uh flavor text more fire jaya asked more fire <laughs> Jota agreed yeah that's good um i hate to say it but this archetype really scratches the itch that i have of like playing a few things early and then just out card advantaging your opponent through the rest of it. And just like, you know, just keep like drawing things, cantripping, winning combats, being better than your you. opponent. I hate to break it to you, but I think you've converted to a uh, tempo. Play. Oh my God. What's happened to me? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta burn all my elves that they're, they're going to hate me. What Ben doesn't know is that this has been a, what? 10 year, something <laughs> approaching like a nine year long con from my end. 
Oh, man, it's working. I've, I've slowly become more and more of a red player, but you get to talk about big Boros at least. Yeah, which is our next archetype here. Red, white, big Boros. This is the enlist archetype. We've mentioned enlist a bunch, but I don't think we've actually read an enlist card yet, and we're not going to just yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up is Baird. I love Scryfall because this is another one as we're recording that hasn't been translated to English yet, but Scryfall calls him Baird Jim Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. Uh, oh yeah uh he's a human soldier at uncommon he's a 2-2 for red white and he says at the beginning of your end step if you control a creature with power greater than its base power create a 1-1 white soldier creature token so clearly he's like hey go and list a bunch of stuff and i'll give you more creatures yeah that's cool also works with um equipment which tends to be a red white thing works with counters if you can put counters on things works with other pump spells or buffs um really the things that red and white like to do but i like we've never seen quite this effect before um, right I, I love how refreshing all these uh these uncommon legends are yeah they're like tangential to effects we've seen but they're they're unique enough and different enough that they they feel brand new yeah uh, also baird has some pretty sick stained glass alt art mm. next up is tori davenant i think i pronounced that right fury rider sure. one red red white for a three three human knight with vigilance and trample whenever tori attacks all other attacking creatures you control get plus one plus one until end of turn other red attacking creatures you control gain trample uh, until end of turn and untap each other white attacking creature you control. So virtually your white attacking creatures get vigilant. <laughs> yeah. And she already has both vigilance and trample. Now, here's the thing. This doesn't actually work with enlist that well because enlist specifies it must be a non-attacking creature. And it, I, I was thinking like, oh, enlist would be pretty cool with vigilance, you know, because you could attack two things of vigilance, uh, tap the one. We've seen effects like that in the past, but um, Tori doesn't really work that way. I don't know. I feel like the enlist text could have used a few tweaks here and there. It, it just doesn't really synergize the way I'd like it to. But Tori is obviously a great card. Forget enlist. Just attack with all your stuff. <laughs> it's all going to get right. buffed. Gain trample if it's red. Untap if it's white. Uh, really cool little attacking lord. Um, big fan of this card. Another one that this is like another archetype, which is something that I've really been excited about for this format that we I don't feel that we've seen quite as much of across the board like this in other sets. These are two signposts that work really well together. Yeah. Tori's yeah. buffing your team. You're going to get a, a soldier from Barrett if you've done that. So, um, yeah, I just love the way that all these signposts work together. Uh, first up, uh, on, on in terms of monocolored cards, we've got Cleaving Skyrider. This is two and a white for a 2-2 human warrior at Uncommon with Flash. It also has Kicker for two and a red. It has Flying. And when Cleaving Skyrider enters a battlefield, if it was kicked, it deals X damage to any target where X is the number of attacking creatures. What? <laughs> yeah. So two mana, a three mana, two, two flash flyer, ETV, uh, I don't know, deal two, deal three, potentially. So first of all, I feel like blue white would just play this anyway. You know, like you yes. just play a three mana, two, two flash. Blue white is going to have counter spells. It's going to have interaction. It's going to have stuff it wants to do at instant speed. Uh, so you just get your two mana, a three mana, two, two flying flash. Cool. Uh, if you're in red, white and you can kick this, this works on offense or defense based on the number of attacking creatures. So um, it's, oh, it that scales. is so true. I didn't even notice that. Oh, my yeah. God. It scales in such a unique way. If your opponent is attacking with like four things, it ETVs and deals four damage to one of their biggest attackers. Or if you're attacking with four things, uh, you flash this in. I guess it's a very win more. Well, no, it's it's good if you're winning and it's good if you're behind. This card is just a beater. Yeah, this is great. I do wish, and we do this a lot on the show, so apologies if you don't like that we do this, but this is an amazing card. 
I have one small gripe with it. Yeah. In, in like, at least in a, in a lot of other games, cleave is something that like hits a bunch of stuff. I really wish this was deals X damage divided as you choose amongst any oh. number of targets because mm. then you could like literally cleave the board. Like if they're, if your opponent's attacking with a ton of creatures, you could deal like one to everything and, and wipe out their board. Actually, I'm pretty sure it should have a, a, a section of text that was removed from it with the cleave uh, mechanic. <laughs> and then you, you would kick it to get the wait. Cleave is just kicker. So Never mind. <laughs> uh, so next up, we've got Coalition Sky Knight. This is three and a white for human knight. It's a two-two flyer with enlist at uncommon. Simple. Um, yeah. This is four the kind of two, evasion. Two is four mana two-two flyer is not where I want to be. So you better be like I don't know. You better have some stuff to to enlist this with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you're also leaving things back. This is a great. Yeah, I think you were just about to say this. This is a great card to like once those once the ground starts getting gummed up that you just like start enlisting your creatures yeah. um, to to get damage in while the ground is gummed up i mean enlist a three three with this it's a five two flyer like that will end the game really quickly and i i did say this would pair really well with evasion i just it's just so bad on turn four like you go two drop three drop you play this I don't know. What are you going to do? Like attack with this in the air on turn five and not attack with your three, three on the ground. Like, yeah. Also, I mean, if you're enlisting a three, three, this is still a five, two. Like how hard is it to block a two power creature? <laughs> you flash in your cleaving sky rider and just blow oh, this thing out of the oh water. Goodness. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. I, I don't like, I'm not in love with that, but it's fine. I think coalition sky Knight's going to be okay. You're going to be, I'm, I'm a little surprised that it's an uncommon to be honest with you, mm, but yep. Maybe that means it's more powerful than I'm giving it credit for, and I'll keep an eye on it. Next up is Herloon Battle Him. This is two and a red for an instant and uncommon kicker white. Herloon Battle Him deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. If the spell is kicked, you gain four life. So doing what it can to impersonate Lightning Helix. Yeah, uh, just yeah. Uh, you know, nice removal spell. I mean, Again, every deck is going to want this. Every red deck will want this. Um, just in red, white, you get the bonus. Yeah, and I think this slots nicely into a Jeskai deck too. Hmm. And last but not least, we've got Molten Monstrosity here. This is seven and a red for a Hellion at common. It's a five, five. The spell costs X less the cast, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Trample. So this is the the red entry in this common cycle of spell costs less the cast. Um, This one should be fine. I could also see this being used quite effectively in the uh, red green deck with like some higher, higher power stuff going on. But this shouldn't be very difficult to cast for like five. And then it's a five, five trample for five that you're pretty happy with. I got one for you. The scenario we just talked about, Coalition Sky Knight enlisting a a three, three. You attack with a five power creature. And then in main phase two, you slam a three mana five, five trample. Yeah. Assuming your Sky Knight survives combat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that is the the joke, right? Two toughness creature. I guess if you got in for five, then the five, five trample is really going to put it over the top. But yeah, I mean, you could just like enlist a thing. You you don't even have to attack with it, right? You could just like enlist. um, Oh, wait, no. Enlist is as it attacks. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, every time I read enlist, I like it less. <laughs> I guess you could. No, there's really no way around it. You need your thing to survive. So I guess you get in with a big thing. You you um you slam the molten monstrosity. But this one actually has a relevant ability uh, with trample. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is a, a little bit more palatable than the uh, than the green one. Um. So. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, like like we were talking about, it still is just going to, you know, having a two-power or three-power creature lying around is not generally very difficult. And then, mm. it's a, you know, if you've got a three-power creature, it's a five-mana, five-five trample, it's fine. Yeah. Next up, moment you've been waiting for. We've got some colorless cards to discuss. Um, there's a particular little vector we wanted to mention in our colorless section here. 
Uh, we've got some shield bots here. We've got shield wall sentinel. Four mana for a 1-3 defender. It's a golem. It's a common. And when it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a creature card with defender. Reveal it. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle. So this thing by itself, whatever. Four mana 1-3 defender. That is awful. That is so bad. That is one of the worst cards you could put in your deck. But it could tutor a slightly less mediocre card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, to be to be completely fair, though, like based on what we've seen, I don't expect the Defender deck in like, you know, as its own deck to be very good. But I do think uh, I do think that that there's potential for there to be a deck that that works with Defenders. There might be some really awesome rares that have Defender that we haven't seen yet. And uh this is going to get linchpin cards. Like if you were playing a deck that was really relying on that black defender we talked about earlier, this will let you go get that. I do wish this put them in the battlefield. Like how many defenders are actually going to like be game breaking if you just cheat them into play? Probably <laughs> yeah. none, but next up we've got walking bulwark. It's one mana again, a golem with defender. It's an uncommon. It has two until a turn target creature with defender gains haste can attack as though it didn't have defender and assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power, activate only as a sorcery. Okay, so hear me out. You use the Shield Wall Sentinel to tutor up your walking bulwark. All right, you need, you need like eight mana for this or something, but here it's going to work. Uh, you cast the bulwark, you pay two. The Shield Wall Sentinel is now a 3-3 three, three with haste. We really did it. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, it's It doesn't seem like it's getting there. This, this one costs back. one, at least. A, a one mana, zero, three. It's going to take a few turns. Oh, wait, no, those are the Iconoclast. Um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry about the Walls deck. I hope it gets suited up. Um, but if it, I, if this is look, like Shrine... I'm going to build it anyway. I'm going to build it anyway. <laughs> I'm going to lose with it a bunch, but maybe... Just maybe I'll get a few wins and then I'll be Yeah. Happy. Maybe it's going to be like shrines, you know, where like you, you have a few things with Defender and they work with each other and they're fine on they're fine-ish on their own, but whatever. No, I think they're just bad on their own and they're just kind of fine-ish together, so. Yeah. Well, uh, let's take a look at our top commons. We're going to go through two for each of the colors with, um, I guess, I guess a few, few little tweaks here and there. So top commons for white. Uh, I, we did actually pick out Argivian Cavalier. That was the three mana two two ETB make a one one, and it has enlist. This type of effect is always really solid. The the body that makes another body. We've seen multiple archetypes be able to make use of multiple bodies. Blue white tapping them to draw cards. Green white uh, buffing their their toughness with counters. Uh, red just you know going wide and huge, and and black being able to sack them in black white. Um, this just it's gonna every deck is gonna want this. Every white deck will want as many of these as they can get, and. Uh, Put them in your deck, you know. Uh, also, for top comments for white, we have Citizen's Arrest. We didn't talk about this one yet because it's just so ubiquitous for white. Uh, it's one white white. It's an enchantment. It's a common, obviously. And when it enters the battlefield, exile target creature or planeswalker an opponent controls until Citizen's Arrest leaves the battlefield. They made an, an O-ring common. Yeah, it's been a while is, since one of these. bonkers. Yeah. I mean, it's double white. So, like, splashing it's going to be pretty difficult. But if you're yeah. playing white at all, you want these. Yeah. It hits creatures or planeswalkers, so um, doesn't hit artifacts, enchantments, things like that. But just, you know, you'll play as many as you can get. There's an honorable mention I wanted to put in here. Um, take up the shield. One white. It's an instant. It's a common. Put a 1-1 counter on target creature. It gains lifelink and indestructible until end of term. Think back to M21. Feet of Resistance was a sleeper for one of the best white commons in the set. It was really, really good because it was a an aggressive format. It was very combat oriented. That one was functionally the same card, except it gave protection uh, instead of indestructible and lifelink. Um, 
but the, the utility was there. You could leave it up to save a creature from a removal spell, uh, or you could use it in combat. The 1-1 counter mattered a lot. So depending on the strength of the aggro decks, uh, I could see this being really strong, especially the fact that it gives lifelink. Um, indestructible, not as good as protection, but uh, a card to keep an eye on. Yeah, think about this, though, in like a Jeskai spells deck, Jeskai Flyers spells deck, like mm. Balmor Battle Mage Captain into this. Oof. So on turn three, you're attacking with the Balmor Battle Mage. You've got uh, a 1-3 flyer going in. You cast this, it becomes a 2-3 flyer with trample, plus one, plus one. So then it's a, a what, a 3-4 trample lifelink indestructible yeah, yeah that's 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 you can make some some real beasts with them to take up the shield for blue we have Tolarian geyser the two blue sorcery at un, at common rather with kicker white turn target creature to its owner's hand draw a card the spell was kicked you gain three does kind of a an into the royal impression and phyrexian espionage phyrexian espionage at two blue sorcery common with kicker one and a black draw two if it was kicked each opponent discards a card I'm speaking into existence. This is going to be like the first Dom where you could just, you know, cast your your divinations and, and bounce your opponent's stuff, kick all your sweet things, play your seven drops and do weird kicker stuff. Uh, I, I'm hoping for it, at least. Black, we've got Phyrexian Rager. This is two and a black for a 2-2 two, two, Phyrexian Horror at common. This is a reprint. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and lose one life. Just fantastic card. They put this in master sets to like smooth out the black commons. So um, we get to play with it now in, in like a standard limited environment. Yeah, the, every black deck will want as many of these as they can get. There's no limit. Just play them. And extinguish the light. Two black black for an instant at common. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. If its mana value was three or less, you gain three life. So no one likes using their four mana black removal spell on a three drop, right? It feels a little bad. You're trading down on mana. Uh, you gain some life off of it in that case. Pretty good. Uh, for red, we've got Lightning Strike, which is getting a reprint. One and a red for an instant at common. Lightning Strike deals three damage to any target. And Yavi Maya Steel Crusher. This, the art is awesome. I love this card. One and a red for an Ape Warrior at common. It's a 2-2 two, two with Enlist, and you can pay one and sack it to destroy target artifact. I'm not going to lie. Lightning Strike is awesome. I don't actually know if the Steel Crusher is going to be that good. Uh, we're doing this early. We don't have all the commons yet. There might be a better one floating around in there. It's just like a one mana shock effect. It'll probably be that. <laughs> it's a yeah. five mana. Um, it's like a five mana deal five instant. The scry is one. That's probably fine too if you're in the aggressive deck. Uh, I feel like and those then green, have been pretty bad lately though. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, it's been a while since one of those was impactful, but eh, it could be. Um, green, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know yet i just don't think any of the commons really stuck out and i don't want to put myself out there and say like a like a thing that i'm not super confident in the steel crusher i'm i'm thinking it's it's a it's one in the red for a two two with list and then has added utility past that i think that's going to be pretty pretty solid so i'm okay with saying it could be one of the top commons it probably won't end up being it but the top commons in green i just don't know right now i got no idea we haven't seen a common fight effect or anything yeah, all the good green cards we saw in in yeah, all the good green cards we saw were uncommons. So mm -hmm. or like super vector dependent. Um, yeah, I, I I feel like we're probably they probably just haven't been spoiled yet. Oh well, that, that's you know what, listener, I'm sorry we got the show out so early so you could start practicing for pre-release ahead of time. Like that's on us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> go uh, go sue us in the comment section or there roast was... us on Twitter. See if we care. Great. So that's uh, Dominary United. Hope you enjoyed. Thanks for listening. 
let us know what we got wrong. We, I don't think we took any t- any real hot takes this time around. We are doing it a bit early, so we don't have full information. So maybe we missed something. Let us know in the Discord. You can find that in the episode description as well as on the Twitter page if you're not already in the Discord. If you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Again, huge thanks to everybody who continues to support us over there. And if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find the show on Twitter at draftchaffpod. Thanks, folks, and uh, enjoy Dom, Dom United. All right. This is going to be a great set. I'm very excited for it. Pretty excited for a few archetypes in particular, but I decided to, to do a little uh, cheating this time around. I got the early access to Dally 2, which I think we talked about Dally Mini, the uh, the new AI art bot that's been going around. Makes some pretty funny stuff, but uh, I requested access Quite to Dally good. 2. It's the, the more advanced one. And I typed in best card in Dominaria United, and it gave me a pretty interesting output image. We'll put it in the Discord uh whether or not it's a real magic card is hard to say, but it is definitely a blue card. So uh, Dolly Mini, uh, Dolly 2 is called it right now. The best card in, uh, in, in Dominaria United is blue. We'll stay, uh, we'll stay tuned to figure out if that's true or not. Yeah.